We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host. John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 29th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Um, my new colleague, Mario Puig, is with me today. It's the first time we talked, actually. And um, so, yeah. hey, do you, is Matthew Stafford buying beers in Detroit this weekend for everybody? Uh, I, I don't know about that. If he does, I hope he, he's generous enough to extend the radius. You know, a few states. Uh, we're in Wisconsin, so he doesn't need to go that far to, to right. do it. He can. He can afford. Yeah, to. he can. We know that. Yeah, it's just a question of is, is he is he a man of the people and how many people? <laughs> he's so who's who's next on the? Uh, I, I right away I thought Kirk Cousins had to be looking at this going. All right, this is great. Yeah, a whole it. bunch of guys must be uh, pretty much any quarterback. Like even if you're not good these days, you might get uh, something that, you know, would have doubled, tripled the the peak contracts of the Favs and those those 90s guys. Um, but yeah, Cousins, if I, not that I saw this coming a couple of years ago, but I would probably take Cousins over Stafford nowadays. So right. And, and then there's the fact that just the, the most recent contract is almost always the most expensive one anyway. So, yeah, guys like that. Um, yeah, it did doesn't seem like it can go on forever though like I, it seems like the nfl might kind of uh i don't know if a, a lockout is what they'll do but eventually this is this is going to be approaching like 40 million a year and i know right. they can keep raising the cap but just uh it seems, seems like it's a, a bit of an inflated element 
See, the, the, the guy, I was looking at the contract status of guys last night, and I don't have it in front of me right now, uh, saying, okay, Kirk Cousins is the obvious one for next year. But the other one, like, fi- figure if, d- depending on how the draft goes, teams like the Jets and the 49ers, for starters, are going to be looking for a quarterback. And it might be more, you know, the Jags, you would think, too. Yeah. So Kirk Cousins goes somewhere. And Washington has to be in that mix because if they don't keep Cousins, they're also looking for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So Cousins is in that mix. Do you know who else, I, at least I think if I read it right, is an unrestricted free agent? Alex Smith. Could you imagine Oof. Alex Smith getting paid, like big paid next offseason just because he's the consolation prize? Something like $20 million. Yeah, I was going to say it's like it'll it'll by the league's new standards, it'll be like, ah, this isn't that much. And yet it'll it'll probably be <laughs> 20 million or more. Right. I mean, we saw we saw it happen with Osweiler. And uh, as bad as I think Alex Smith might be Osweiler getting to 16 and Mike Lennon getting to 16. Yeah. I mean, even even if he's cut, even if Alex Smith is cut, mm-hmm. uh, that, that might that might get to uh, that might get close to 20 or more. God bless America if you're a quarterback. All right, everybody, uh, we need to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can sign up now uh, for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Also, check us out on Twitter. Mario's at Rotowire Mario. I am actually helping 37. You can check us out at Rotowire or at Rotowire NFL for player updates. And uh, we have a Facebook page that we love it if you liked. Also, with this podcast, if you're listening, wherever you're listening, please leave us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. Helps the traffic numbers and the, the rankings and all that stuff that I don't understand because I'm not technologically savvy enough. Um, all right. All right. We're going to talk some running backs because I was I was combing through some of the stuff you've written recently, and I want to ask you about some of the players you've you've talked about. Um, Samaj P. Ryan, he, yeah, he had a little bumpy start to his preseason experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there was reports in practice a few weeks back that he, you know he was missing blocks and. And fumbling and Gruden was basically saying, you know, we can't have that. I mean, for rookie running backs, it's not good. So then the first preseason game comes, he misses a block, he fumbles, and he drops a pass. And as I said to someone on the podcast right after that, that is basically the the the, the holy trinity of bad things to happen mm-hmm. to a rookie running back in the eyes of his head coach. He seems to be perking up. He ran well last week. It's not like they were going to bench him for the preseason. But um, you think at some point he is going to – you're pretty sure – that he's going to beat out Rob Kelly at some point, aren't you? Yeah. And it's partially because I'm a bit emboldened from last year when I was more cautious about it, but it was the same thing with Matt Jones and Jeremy Langford, where it was just, you could tell, you could tell the way that the way that the fantasy industry was kind of assessing these guys as prospects, um, both in terms of just like holding on to their jobs and what they would do with them. It was clear, like people were overestimating these two and, I do a lot of college football stuff. Uh, I don't run the college football operation at Rotowire anymore. John McKechnie does that now. But um, I was doing that for uh, seven years or something. And so I saw these guys a lot. I, I knew everything about them, basically. And I understand when normal people are playing like NFL fantasy football, they probably don't have the time to go uh, neurotically assessing the depth charts of 128 college teams. So but there's there's things you can find out about these guys that make clear that people are believing false premises about them at the NFL level. Um, last year it was just like, you know, Matt Jones going in like 
fifth round or whatever he is. That's he's not good enough for that. That doesn't make any sense. And I certainly didn't foresee Rob Kelly displacing him in the starting lineup. But Jeremy Langford and Jordan Howard was a little bit easier to see coming. And uh, I was I, I knew that from the prospect profiles of the players involved, like the, the general public consensus is just wrong. It, it can't add up. Something similar is going on, I think, with Rob Kelly and Samaj P. Ryan, where it's it's um it's clear that Rob Kelly does have his kind of claws in the offense a bit. Jay Gruden certainly likes him. He's certainly a better NFL player than his prospect profile would indicate. But it's still too stark of a of a contrast with Samaj P. Ryan's for Kelly to stay on the field, at least as like a clear starter, in my opinion. Like Maybe it's like a 60-40 kind of split at its peak for P. Ryan, but I do think it at least gets there. The big thing is just that Rob Kelly played at a relatively low level of competition. He played at Tulane. Despite playing at Tulane, where the level of talent is lower than it is at Oklahoma, P. Ryan's school, he basically could not get on the field regularly. He was a backup at Tulane. Uh, he, had his, he had his moments. He was actually he had a season where he was a very good pass catcher, and that's not really the NFL narrative with him. People think like he can't catch the ball, but... Right. He probably can a little bit. It's more that he just can't run when he has the ball. (laughs) Even last year when he had this kind of breakout scenario, 4.2 yards per carry, it drops to 3.8 without that 166 yarder. Generally had a bunch of nondescript and or plotting games to end the year. If you're an off the bench runner who catches the league by surprise, I think you want to see them uh, be well above the 4.0 yards per carry kind of thing. Um, Not that it's, it's not like a death sentence to his projection or anything, but it's like you'd, you'd like to see those guys have bigger numbers because you expect it to kind of regress a bit as the volume gets bigger. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a thing also where Kelly has like 4.7 speed. P. Ryan, it's not a big distinction, but he ran a 4.65 at the combine. The big thing for me is just the production in college. Like Kelly finished his career despite playing off the bench, finished it with uh, 4.0 yards per carry, about 1,200 yards rushing over four years. P. Ryan was Oklahoma's all-time uh, leading rushing yardage um, player. So uh, he did that. And uh, the fumbles thing, I'm just not worried about. He fumbled six times in college on uh, something like 725 touches from scrimmage. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a totally OK ratio. And he, you would expect a rookie to struggle, at least relative to a veteran um, at blitz pickup. So I I can concede that he would be behind Kelly in that regard now, and it will affect their playing time in the meantime. But one thing that we have to keep in mind, I think is that something that will also affect the playing time scenario is the actual effectiveness. When these guys have the ball, I don't think there's much reason to think Kelly's going to outproduce Samaj P Ryan in that capacity. So I think worst case scenario for P Ryan, it's like second month of the year. He could start encroaching on the goal line situation, uh, short yardage situation, and uh, maybe Kelly just kind of ends up being more of a passing down kind of guy like, a, you know, like Jurassic or whatever his name is in Baltimore last year. It's like they didn't have any running backs they like. So they have the fullback basically playing as a passing down guy, but not really carrying the ball. But you got Chris um, Thompson there at third down, too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, th- I think um, I just think if, if they're mostly working with the, the consideration of the rushing production, Kelly's going to be hard to stand by because P. Ryan finished his college career with 4,122 yards, six yards a carry, 49 touchdowns. He's he's going to get better as a pass blocker. Kelly is not going to get better as a runner. It's a it's a gap that will close. The question is, how fast will it happen? I think it's I'm, I'm willing to say that P. Ryan will be, um, if not in name, then in function, the leading running back on that team by, I don't know, 
probably November, but I expect him to start getting double digit carries in October. Okay. Uh, I'm still, I don't know, either one. It, the, the uncertainty makes me kind of shrug my shoulders about these guys. Right, I mean, I wouldn't take him before like the 10th round, but right. I've, I've been getting him in like the 12th, and it's like I can, I can wait for a guy in the 12th round. Okay. Um, we got some breaking news here. Well, it's not What's breaking that? news. It's, breaking, uh, it's a breaking report su- suggesting that there might be news at some point. Uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, believes there, believes there is a, quote, very good chance that Ezekiel Elliott plays in week one. And that's, is that because it happens like the Tom Brady scenario where courts basically suspend the The, suspension or something? The the appeal is being heard this morning with a decision likely to come within a week. Um, Florio thinks the Elliott's going to take it to court. Blah, blah, Hmm. blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what to make make of this. I have no idea either what to, I, I mean, seems like he'll either be suspended like six games, four games or zero games. And uh, I don't know how to distinguish any of those outcomes. If if you're drafting today, where do you take Zeke? Uh, you take him a little earlier in best ball, I think. But if you got to make fantasy playoffs, it's going to be hard to do that if one of your first three picks is out for the first six weeks. So right. I'm probably just not going to take him because I've generally seen him go in like the second or even right. late first a lot of the time. And even with this uncertainty and and possible positive outcome with the, uh, with the appeal. I don't know. I still, I'd still be too scary. It's too risky to take that early for me. Um, okay. So you seem to like, uh, uh Wendell Smallwood. Um, yeah. and blunt. Okay. LeGarrette blunt, they signed him and you thought, all right, he's not going to score 18 touchdowns like he did the Patriots, but the line's pretty good in Philly and maybe there's a chance for him to do well. And then there, these reports came out a couple of weeks ago that he might get cut. And yeah, then, I don't really believe that. Yeah, Peterson was kind of like, no, 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 no. He's going to be a big part of our offense. But then other people say, well, you know, he's a little heavy. Right, what, what, do you, what do we do? What do you think the odds are? Like, it, week eight, who's going to be getting more work in that backfield? It's a tough call because I, I don't think that this offense is necessarily going to be one where someone takes a decisive lead. It could be very uh, scenario-specific kind of thing. Not unlike, you know, the way Blunt was used in, in New England. But the thing is, I don't expect the, the Eagles to be uh, in the lead nearly as much or in scoring position nearly as much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, he could have the almost like, exact same functional role as far as going in and under certain conditions. It's just those conditions might not show up very much and he might finish the year with instead of 299 carries, something like 180 and we don't really expect this guy to push five yards a carry anymore. So uh, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little bit leery of Blunt, but there's always a certain price where I'd be willing to go at it a bit. But uh, the way I tend to construct my teams, it's not like I would I would be I would not tend to be in a position where I would actually have Blunt in my lineup right away. Right. So if I'm going to have someone on my bench, I guess I'd rather theoretically go after something with a little bit more upside uh, because I feel like being in this this role that he has. It's a bit categorically limited. Uh, I don't really see the ceiling scenario. And if the Eagles struggle or if Blunt just kind of turns out to be running out of gas, the floor could be pretty low. Okay, so Smallwood, any is he is he on your is he a late round pick on some of your teams? Yeah, it's not like I really specifically believe he'll do anything in particular. It's more just kind of like a, you know, a hedging thing. He's got the prospect profile, I think, to to emerge as a fine player in the NFL. It's just that a. like I mean Sproles is already locked into his role there 
Um, I don't think the rookie Pumphrey is going to do anything. I don't, I don't think he's going to do anything in the NFL generally. But uh, so Blunt and Sproles alone, that they're pretty established players. It's that it's not particularly likely that one or both gets pushed out of the out of the picture to the extent that Smallwood could emerge as like a, a starter. So Smallwood needs a few things to go his way. Uh, we still don't know how good he might be. So that that's a lot of uh, con, you know conditional aspects of his value. Um, but I, I do know, you know, he's a good pass catcher. Uh, he's got a big back, but he runs really hard. Um, he was productive in college. Good, good enough speed, sub four, five, 40 at the combine. I, I didn't notice uh, until a couple days ago that he returned to kickoff for a touchdown last year. So um, he was a bit disappointing. I remember like he was a, a fab pickup late in the year and uh, people were kind of hopeful that he would take that job and run with it. And instead he kind of just hovered around 4.0 yards per carry, which isn't what we're looking for especially in a part-time kind of player, which is his general role at the time. Um, but if Blunt does struggle, if, if Sproles, um, I don't expect Sproles to particularly slow down or anything, but if, if Sproles doesn't uh, capitalize on a Blunt absence and, and just, if it's, if it's not just like Sproles benefits from Blunt's um, misfortune, then I think Smallwood would benefit. And uh, I just think there's a pretty good chance that he's a, a decent player, at least, you know, replacement level starter type. Okay. Um, next up in, in something you wrote last, uh, Thursday, I think you're talking about the Patriots backfield, which, which I've talked about a lot on here, but <laughs> what's, what struck me, I'm going to read something you wrote, you know, you, 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 went to, you talked about the passing game a little bit and talked about the backs and you wrote, and you wrote, quote, I'm anticipating something pretty close to a 25, 25, 25, 25 snap split between Gillisley, White, Lewis, and Burkhead. That, that would doesn't be annoying, help me. It? Oh, yeah. my God. That's the worst thing ever. That's worse than usual Patriots, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, realist, more realistically, maybe it's like Gillisley's pushing 35, 40 or something like that. But I just, I don't really feel like I can take it for granted because I think Burkhead uh, despite his general background as kind of an off the bench passing down guy, I think he can run pretty well. Um, I mean, he's he's got more dense body build than Gillisley anyway. So uh, as far as the presumption that, you know, Gillisley is going to get all the short yardage, all the red zone carries, I think Burkhead could do a lot of that. Uh, I think Deion Lewis even can do a lot of that. James White, you don't really think can run much, but um, obviously White's going to be on the field quite a bit too. He he certainly earned that and with his Super Bowl performance. So it's just a uh, it's it's a tough situation because yeah, it's it's going to be a heavily rotated backfield. I think uh, the way Gillisley hits his ceiling is of course it's just the they get in the scoring position at a similar frequency to last year and he you know maybe gets only like 150 180 carries but he scores maybe like 12 14 times on those. Uh, but yeah, anticipating when any particular thing is going to happen with these guys is I think going to be next to impossible. The game plan will perhaps change quite a bit from week to week. All right. Yeah. I, I I'm on team Burkhead here, but that's I like Burkhead. because yeah. of the value. Certainly. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I think they're all worth drafting in certain ranges just because, uh, you know, if one of one or two of them does get hurt, if, uh, just something we didn't anticipate happens, there could be a way that one or two of them could pull ahead of the other two, uh, but yeah, like you can get Burkhead in like almost the end of a lot of drafts now. And I, I don't think if if Burkhead's or if Gillisley's going in like the seventh or eighth, I don't think Burkhead should go later than like the 12th, 13th and uh, standard. But if, if PBR scoring James White shows up probably before Burkhead for me. OK, um, more breaking news, by the way, 
um, completely unrelated to football. Uh, Mario, I don't know if I've t- told you. I've told some of the other guys on the show that um, I live in a neighbor. I, I live in a new house. Literally, the house just got built. Oh, and nice. the lot next to me is about to get built. And a very large dump truck just went into reverse into the lot next to me that they're about to start building. So I have no idea what kind of sounds we're going to hear for the next half hour. But mm. anything unusual, rocks falling, um, you know, reverse stuff, big motor, whatever, you, we could be in for anything. So if you hear anything weird, that's what's going on. It's either that or my mouth breathing. There but. you go. <laughs> um, one more backfield. Seahawks. Are you on... Uh, uh, Chris Carson per- jumped into the conversation over the weekend for people. Actually, last week. But uh, are you, you're, you seem to be you're on Team ProSize with me a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's a thing kind of similar to the Patriots, I think, because I think all of these guys are worth picking at a certain point, and I don't have any solid grasp of where this backfield is actually headed. But uh, I know uh, I don't think Thomas Rawls is a good player or prospect, but. Uh, the team likes him, and if, if he's in the 12th round or something like that, I think it makes sense to take him there because Eddie Lacy, I consider him the most talented of them, but he's 30 pounds overweight. He should be playing at 220, not 250 or whatever he is. Uh, that extra weight makes him not as good of a player and probably a bit more of an injury risk. Um, so, I, But I do think Lacy is the most talented, so maybe, I don't know, ninth round, late eighth, I'd consider taking him because if he does stay healthy – um, and if, if, uh, Procise especially is hurt, I don't expect Rawls to outplay Lacey. I don't expect Carson to either, but, uh, after that, of course, Procise is probably my favorite actual value adjusted, um, candidate of these guys, because as much as he's been reduced to this, you know, passing down specialist kind of narrative, he's a 220 pound running back. And mm-hmm. the, the pass catching specific function is more kind of like a, it's just like a way to get him on the field right away because he's he was playing wide receiver until two years ago. So it's it's like uh, he's perhaps still learning some of the other uh, between the tackles kind of part of the game. And right now it's like he's definitely good as a pass catcher. Let's just get him on the field that way while he figures the other things out. But if there is a scenario where he's forced into a bigger role, be it Lacey Rawls injuries or ineffectiveness on their part, there's no reason to think from his prospect profile that he can't do it. Um, he was very successful running the ball the, the one year he played running back at Notre Dame. Um, so it's not like he's a, you know, a Theo Riddick, uh, that the other Notre Dame wide receiver to running back convert, uh, he's, he's got all the tools to be a, a feature back except so far durability. Um, so that's, that's the concern with process obviously. Um, but if you're getting him in like the 11th round in PPR, I think it could pay off quite a bit and there really is a lot of upside there if Lacey flops if, if Rawls stays out of the way and if, if Procise gets healthy which I guess kind of seems a little bit of a miraculous condition at that point at this point but if he does get healthy I mean the talent I'm, I'm pretty much sold on and and if those other two guys get hurt which they've done a lot of then he could really run with something yeah I like him a lot too and I remember that that as I've said before that one game where they played against the, they played at New England on a Sunday night he looked so good uh, yeah. And he got hurt right away after that. Um, everybody, we want to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, or where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play, easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. 
The Yahoo Fantasy app Messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk that your league can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, lets you draft, trade, comb waiver options right on your phone, gives you an in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free. Do you collect your league dues up front or do people pay later? I've never had to handle that ever, luckily. Ever? Um, I mean, I'm, I know that I'm bad at like paying it. Like around here, we, I tend to end up just end up throwing uh, twenty dollars or whatever it is for the league to Pete Peter Shanky, and then both of us later forgets whether I ever did it. So uh, something a little more standardized like this would would probably be more sensible. Yeah, so that's this surprises me that you've never had to deal with it because no, the, what I get is, oh, you're the fantasy football guy, so you know why don't you run the league? Oh yeah, I go, oh, no, I haven't. Right. I haven't been in a home league for a while, but uh, yeah, back then it was it was basically the same thing as this, just like uh, very sloppy. Uh, somebody thinks they paid, other people can't remember whether they did. Yeah. Uh, in any case, yeah, this this would be a, a better way to go about it. Gotcha. All right, everybody, sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at RotoWire.com slash Yahoo. That's RotoWire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. All right, um, some other news. So. Uh, we talked before we started recording. Um, there's there's an article from the Boston Globe today about Danny Amendola basically yeah. saying his role is going to change. And we kind of knew that um, when Edelman got hurt, you know, that, that somehow he was going to become more important. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Derek seem to be pretty high on Cooks as far as basically the, 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 the winner of the Edelman injury, for lack of a better term, the fantasy winner. Some people think Hogan's going to play a little slot, and even when he doesn't, Brady might look to him more. Um, Amendola is certainly going to play some slot, and I you know, joked around with Derek yesterday, yeah, maybe he'll get 80 catches for 540 yards or something. Mm-hmm. You and Derek seem to be, you, you seem to think Brandon Cooks is kind of the winner here. Why? Well, I guess I don't really worry so much about the positions that they play. I think that Bill Belichick will build a, a game plan, uh, an offensive approach that's more suited to um, th- that's more made to like adapt to the the talent that he has rather than uh, going in with some blueprint and then trying to best staff the the various positions that that entails. Because I mean, we see them change the offense so much week to week, let alone year to year, that I think that it's as simple as there's a void of however many targets Edelman always takes, and now they're going to be distributed on, on the basis of merit that Belichick, you know, can best tell otherwise. And um, be it in the slot or elsewhere, I just think it's a lot more targets for Cooks and 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 with a complementing routes that that are meant to like free him up that much more. Because Edelman wasn't um, just like a product of the system. I mean, he was a really good slot receiver. Whereas Amendola, even at his peak. He was kind of just like on teams, the Rams, where they, they threw to him a, a ton because they just had nothing else to do right. better with their time. Um, and his peak season was, yeah, 85 catches for 689 yards and three touchdowns. So I would expect him to be more, you know, around that 10 yards per catch range, which he's done in New England. But I'm still not really expecting something more than like uh, and this would be a, this would actually be very good for his fantasy value if you got him as late as you likely have. But I mean, something like 60 catches for, you know, 700 yards at most and maybe four or five touchdowns. Um, he, I think he might be their primary slot guy now. Like I think Cooks can play any receiver position, really, and he probably will. Um, and Hogan, I think, remains outside. Um, but I don't think that's a problem for Cooks or Hogan to hit their upside scenarios. I still think they're the top two receivers um, with, with Edelman out of the picture. And I'd probably uh, 
I'd probably say there's a good chance that Malcolm Mitchell also finishes ahead of Amendola, but Amendola is the guy that they'll go to if the others are failing and they'll know what they'll get out of him. I just think the others are capable of much more. How, how far approximately have you moved Cooks up in your rankings in the last four or five days? I think he's in my top 12 now. Like, I, I think I would, I would definitely take him over Michael Thomas now. Really? And, and some part of me is like itching to put him ahead of Jordy Nelson too, but I, I probably won't change that one. Okay. That's up. That's like top eight possibly. I yeah. I mean, I wouldn't fault anyone for taking him that high either. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm convinced Tom Brady's going to throw like 45 plus touchdowns this year. Um, if, if there's any way that happens, cooks has to have something to do with it. And I just think cooks is a really, really good player. I mean, he, it's, it's a, in recent years, it's easy to be desensitized to early wide receiver success because of with the, you know, the rule changes and the, just the general trajectory of the league passing yard, passing touchdowns are way up relative to the past. So it's not the same as like when a rookie receiver succeeds in 1995 or something, but uh, for cooks to do what he has done, logging to 1100 yard years going into his age 24 season, uh, when you take also into account how great he was at Oregon state, uh, the four, three, three speed, I think it lines up for him to just be as like a star, especially in an offense like this. All right. Um, next up in much less exciting news, Josh McCown has been named the starting quarterback for the jets. Um, yeah, the, the only, the viable jets fantasy players are Bilal Powell. Certainly. Uh, Matt Forte, probably not anymore. Um, Robbie Anderson, maybe. Austin Safarian Jenkins as kind of a frisky late round tight end that might get some might get some work because there's nobody else. Does yeah. does McCown playing over Hackenberg change much for any of those guys? Uh kind of, but like it's probably just because Hackenberg is so bad, it's not really like a the most positive framing uh right. even so, but uh yeah, Hackenberg is just inoperably bad it it's uh it was obvious when they picked him but they they spent this past summer for some reason trying to uh i don't know if they thought like oh it's just a confidence issue with him so let's like leak some reports that uh he's doing really good in practice and maybe he'll all of a sudden become good and it didn't happen whatever they were trying to do he's still bad um bryce petty is also bad mccown gets hurt a lot anyway so it's a bad situation no matter what i think at quarterback for this team um but there are a few ways that uh, it could go just well enough for, I think, yeah, Robbie Anderson and Safarian Jenkins to do well. If McCown somehow stays healthy, that's particularly good for Safarian Jenkins because, uh, I mean, at the very least, McCown kind of helped make Gary Barnage a thing for a minute there. Uh, and I think Safarian Jenkins is very talented. I mean, he was a borderline five-star recruit, arguably the top tight end recruit of his class when he went to Washington. And he was pretty productive in college, especially for his age good athlete if the workout numbers reported on him are to be believed um and he's you know he's had his moments in the nfl too he's still very young so I, th I think he could do pretty well and you can get him uh or in, i know it's mfl 10 season is over but he was going you know 18th round or something like that right. if you get that as your third tight end that could actually be kind of useful um but yeah robbie anderson is the one that i'm only one that i'm realistically going to target among the pass catchers and only if he falls uh, far enough, but I, I do think Robbie Anderson is actually a, a better prospect than people might suspect. Okay, um, I liked. I mean, last year he looked fine when they were. I mean, like again, he was the last man standing. So, 
Yeah, he was largely undrafted because of character issues. Uh, he, he kind of like got pushed out of Temple for for grades reasons. But uh, when he was on the field, he, he was really quite good. Okay, last one uh, right now. Uh, Gio Bernard came back on on over the weekend. I think Sunday they played. Um, he had four carries, twenty five yards. I mean, uneventful statistics, but he looked healthy. Mm-hmm. He's when healthy, he's pretty good. What what do you do here? I, I have been anti Mixon all summer. Nothing against okay. Mixon. I just think that the I think the hype had gotten too much, and and, and I was reluctant to think that they were just going to bury Jeremy Hill. You know that I, I thought they were going to give at least goal line work, and I thought he'd get a decent. I, I thought Jeremy Hill's workload was going to be enough to to eat into Mixon. And now that Gio Bernard's healthy, I mean, I've, I have a hard time thinking they're going to bury him either. Now you're crowded, though. So what do you think happens? Yeah, it's a it's a volatile situation. I think there's a there's a wider range of outcomes that that could occur here than uh, you know with the other rookie running backs that we otherwise tend to talk about. But uh, I, I, for me, I just keep going back to, and I think this is a fact. I mean, Mixon is just much more talented than Bernard and Hill, and Bernard particularly as a pass catching threat is good. Like you, you could. You know, him and James White or that both that kind of back where you you find ways to make room for them because they're just uniquely dangerous as pass catchers. But Joe's probably a guy who hovers around four yards a carry over his career. And that's without even taking on a large volume. Who knows if that stays at, at four if he takes on a bigger volume. He'll have that one rookie year that was so promising. And since then, he's just kind of been bad. Uh, a lot of touchdowns, I guess, but just hasn't been running well. Um six 20 yard carries over the last two years after posting eight as a rookie. Um, I, I know they're going to start the year out trying to keep Hill and Bernard involved, but I think it's just as simple as if there's a scenario where they're in a competitive situation, they're going to, uh, at least by the second month of the year, they're going to have to turn to Mixon in those situations because this is a guy who, has better pass catching skills than Bernard and uh, probably as much power as Hill. And he's faster than both of them. Uh, just incredibly talented player. And, you know, there's, there's reason to think, you know, there's reason to, you know, suspect various things about his character. But fantasy, we, we're, we're trying to chase the numbers. And uh, if if the Bengals need more than what they're getting from Hill and Bernard, I think Mixon just takes over in those scenarios. So I guess I guess the way that I see it going really badly for Mixon is if the Bengals are just a really good team and Hill and Bernard are doing enough, uh, which could easily happen. Yeah. But if there is a scenario where it's like they're they're kind of struggling to win, they they need they need something to come through. It's like Mixon's the guy. I think. Okay. Um. That was that was a it was a convincing argument. I'll give you that. But it, there is the there is a low floor for a guy and you know going as high as the third round definitely right. Um, everybody, the future of fantasy sports is here. In case you didn't know, Fantrax.com is the first fantasy site built by fans for fans. If you've ever wanted a league rule that you couldn't have in your current league platform, Fantrax has you covered with the industry's most customizable commissioner and league manager product. Mario doesn't have to worry about that because he's not a commissioner ever apparently. <laughs> 
All nope. backed up by fast, fast, friendly customer service aimed at providing you with an unrivaled fantasy experience as your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. Fantrax also offers a wide variety of cash games, all with the highest payouts you'll find anywhere. With the 2017 football season fast approaching, Rotowire has teamed up with Fantrax to offer NFL and college football leagues featuring great prizes and lots of fun. I'll agree with that. Sunday night, I did a college draft on Fantrax, and it was oh, yeah. a lot of fun. I Great don't product. know much about college football uh, fantasy, but I, as I told, I actually called my new quarterback Pat Fitzgerald yesterday instead of Ryan. So <laughs> that, that's, nice. where, that's where I went. I'm like, oh, right, that's not Ryan. Um, to join us, just go to the Fantrax blog, hit the games link from NFL and college football to NHL, NBA, MLB, NASCAR, EPL, and golf. Moving all your fantasy leagues to Fantrax just makes sense. Join the fantasy revolution at Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Um, yeah, I was telling Derek I got the tight end from UMass. I was pretty excited. Adam Brenneman. Yeah, yeah. he's very good. Well, I had never heard of him until last Friday, but now I now I, I know think you might from. I think you'll see him in the top uh, forty picks this year in this upcoming draft. Really? Yeah, he was a former like a four or five star guy at Penn State who briefly retired because of a and this is what would knock him down at all. Uh he had, he had recurring knee injuries, but uh, knock on wood he stayed healthy and he he was supposed to be kind of like a potential first round guy all along. And now he's kind of just showing up at UMass. Gotcha. All right. Cause I saw the stats at the end of last year and I went, all right, no other tight ends catch half as many passes as that guy. Nope. So, yeah. He, he's going to be good. All right. I feel good now. Um, I took him in the second round, so I better be good. So actually we took him, well, it was three keepers. And then I took him in the second round because I looked at the tight ends and I said, his stats are far and away better than the rest of the position. Mm-hmm. So, all right, it better work. I'll let you know. Um, all right. I want to talk about some wide receivers. We've, I feel like I talk about running backs more than anything else here. And I want to talk about some wide receivers that are sort of down, let's say outside the top 40 ADP wise. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on them. Like, you know, good, good value, just right. Still not a fan, whatever it might be. Okay. And the first one is Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams numbers last year were very good. I mean, very, very good for what we thought we were going to get out of him, especially when Travis Benjamin signed there. He winds up 69 for 10, 59, and seven touchdowns. Now they have Keenan Allen back. They have Travis Benjamin, who's theoretically healthy, and he looks fine. Not that he's a great receiver, but he's certainly a deep threat, and I, think, I would think they'll use him. Yeah. Um, Henry and Gates a tight end. Mike Williams, if he's healthy at some point. Is this too if if you look at Tyrell Williams being drafted in the tenth round as say the as the forty third wide receiver, this is MFL ADP. Tenth round, tenth round. Wow, too late. I mean that that's that's a that's a lot later than I expected. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I was picking him in the seventh and eighth round, even even after uh, the Mike Williams pick. So uh, yeah, tenth round. I'm uh, I'm taking out loans to buy as many of those as I can. <laughs> <laughs> even with all the crowd, even with the crowd of receiving core, you're still good with Tyrell Williams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just, I think he's better than Keenan Allen anyway. And Keenan Allen has also those durability issues to consider. Um, I mean, Tyrell Williams, uh, six foot four receiver with his kind of speed. Like I'm pretty sure it was in the four, four range at a Western Oregon pro day or whatever it is that he played in college. Um, and yeah, last year, uh, about 120 targets, 119, does 8.9 yards per target. Um, Philip Rivers averaged 7.6 yards per pass last year. So um, certainly for practical reasons, I think they'll want to go back to him more. Um, if Allen gets hurt, it's just a wrap. 
Uh, and Allen, I just, I just don't think he's as good as Tyrell Williams. Um, and there's the possibility that however good he was a few years ago, he might've lost a little bit in between his injuries now and then. Um, but yeah, I did, I noticed, uh, Liss, Chris Liss tweeting out yesterday, like a question of like how many 40 yard catches does he have in his career? And he has one. Um, so he, he's, he's always been a possession guy, but, uh, I think that's his ceiling is a possession guy. Whereas Williams, I mean, when you have that size, that speed, that early age production, uh, it's normally a strong indicator of, you know, at least upside that Allen can't provide. Um, and then Benjamin is as much as I think he's actually a pretty good receiver. Yeah. He's probably limited more as like a, a field stretching specialist kind of right. thing. So, um, I, I just think Tyrell Williams looks like a really good player and, uh, I, I just kind of expect him to emerge as the best one of that group. Okay. Next guy, just a little lower than him is Corey Coleman. Um, the Browns signed Kenny Britt mm-hmm. and he seems to be the safe play. Like we, we think we know what kind of volume Kenny Britt is going to get. And Kenny Britt seems to be the kind of guy who, whether, whether he's a third wide receiver or a flex guy, people are looking at him going, all right, that's solid, stable production. I bet I'm going to get from him. Kind of like last year, maybe. Corey Coleman is the more volatile guy. Lots of talent. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I got suckered by seeing the play that the, the, the throw that Kaiser made to him last week. Kaiser's going to struggle a quarterback. But... He scrambled and he saw Coleman deep. And Kaiser, it seemed to me that that he he might be the kind of guy who wants to be a little aggressive. And and, and Coleman would seem to be the deep threat. And you wonder about you know connections with young quarterbacks and receivers and things like that. And and it, it, I want to ask: Is Corey Coleman someone that that you're interested in the upside, or you're kind of looking and going, he's on the Browns and Brits there, and I don't think I care that much. I'm kind of interested just because I think Coleman was, is a very good prospect. Um, it, it's easy to, you know, forget the specifics of, of draft history, but he wasn't as, he wasn't like a consensus top pick to be the first receiver in that draft, which he was at the 15th pick. Um, I mean, Treadwell was the guy so many expected until like right before the draft, people started backing off that a bit, but uh, Coleman was kind of considered by a, a lot of mainstream media as like a second round, first round fringe guy. Whereas, I mean, I was always like, no, this this guy belongs in the first round. Like he or Josh Doxson should be the first receiver picked. Um, so I really like the talent and athletically he's comparable to Odell Beckham. I think uh, his production in college says that he's got a real skill set to work with. But between the hamstring pulls that he keeps getting and that, that was an issue in college to uh, between that uh, I don't know what to make of Kaiser, I guess. I mean, I, I would have, I would have perhaps preferred Cody Kessler a little bit, but then, I mean, it's fair to point out that Kessler wasn't really throwing downfield at all. Right. Uh, Kaiser should do that at least, even if the results aren't very good. Um, so I really like Coleman's talent. I just don't know about the timing and the setting right now. And I do know at the very least, like if, if he and Coleman are, or if he and Tyrell Williams are going at all similar uh, ADP, like I'm, I'm trying to get Williams in. Yeah, it's not even close between those two for me. Okay. Similar range right after. Com- I'm, I'm just looking. Most of these guys are in the 40s, and we're going to go down a little. Um, 43rd receiver is Williams uh, in MFL dress. 45th is Coleman. Next up, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones exploded out of the gate last year. Yeah. And then kind of got hurt a bit and wasn't wasn't the same the rest of the way. I was one of the people who drafted him maybe the sixth round, and after you know after three weeks, I thought I was yeah. a genius. Yep. And then it just didn't happen. 
Do you, he was a bit nicked up, though, right? Yes, he was. Now, do, do you think? Are, are you willing to attribute that? Like, do you do you think? So it, it's tempting to look at the Lions, and I think I probably said this to someone last week. You know, I mean, a lot of people are getting excited about Kenny Galladay and whatever, but Tate's there and Galladay's there, who could be nice player, third round pick, whatever, and uh, and Marvin Jones. And it's tempting. I think I said to someone last week. There's no alpha there. Could right. Marvin Jones be an alpha or close enough to it that he's going to have good fantasy production? Well, luckily for us, it's uh, it doesn't need to be quite that scenario for him to be a really good value at this late because I didn't I didn't realize he was going this late. I knew he was going later than I thought made a whole lot of sense. But yeah, to be going, uh, let's see, in, in this ADP that I just pulled up 48. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a top 40 receiver and I, I, I think he's going to be a top 35. So, uh, I mean, he did over nine yards of target last year. In a Detroit offense with, with Matt Stafford, he's never been a guy who pushes the ball downfield very much. So that's those are, that's an explosive figure, particularly you know given how sl- slow he ended the year with uh, I don't know what it was that he was playing through in the second half, but yeah, you can tell he was playing hurt after the bye week at the very least. Um, at, the, at this price tag, it's like it's we don't we just don't really have anything to worry about. I mean, he's going to be worth this. Uh, the question is like, will he will he be kind of like a kingmaker in leagues because he goes way above? The, uh, what he did last year, even, even if he only does what he did last year, he's going later in it. It's like the, the ADP presumes he'll do less than that for some reason. And right. I, I can't imagine what reason that would be. Um, so, yeah, I like Marvin Jones a lot in that range. Um, I think Tate's kind of like the lead guy, but it's some it's the kind of thing where you, it might not look that way at the box score because of his role. Depth of target is is so specific. Um, it's it's just kind of like an, a a progressions thing that he would be technically the first one. It's like he could be the first in usage and and not in uh, actual production. And Jones would be the top candidate to, to be the actual top producer in that case. So um, I'm not worried about Galladay toward Jones specifically. I think Galladay would be more of a problem for Ebron if he's a problem for anybody. Um, Otherwise I think it takes an injury to Jones or Tate for Galladay to get in. Um, But yeah, I, I think Jones is a totally good player. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've got quite a few shares of him in MFL tens and I, I, all, all year it's like, I just don't understand why he's been going that late. Um, are you on team Zay Jones at Buffalo now that the, I mean, Bolden's gone and Sammy Watkins is gone. Right. I don't know how to act on it exactly, but I, <laughs> I am pretty sold that he's a really good player. Um, it's, it, it's the team feels just like a, like it's on thin ice to me though. Like it, it feels weird the way that the front office has been working and uh, there's like some kind of politics situation there. Maybe like even a, a kind of a coup in the, the, the front office and who knows how that might ripple outward. Um, and that might just have a generally destabilizing effect. Um, but Jones is so convincing to me. I mean, he, I wasn't expecting him to test the way he did at the combine, but when you get four, four, five speed, uh, the crazy broad jump number that he posted, the really good agility drills. And then you look at the college career he had. It's like you look at his college numbers and you think this is a guy with good hands. Maybe he can run routes a little bit, but he doesn't really have any speed. I mean, look at that. He's averaging 10 yards a catch for four years. He must not be very explosive. And then you just find out he is empirically explosive. It's like, OK, well, so now he has hands and he's explosive. Um, what what else am I waiting for at this point? And I did. And then they saw that preseason game where he's making those acrobatic catches and just looks really great. And I'm, I'm sold on Zay Jones now. It's just I'm, I'm, I don't know if the team around him is going to 
be such that he'll be able to really show what he's capable of. But he's going late enough in drafts that I, I think he's definitely worth picking. I mean, I would take him over uh, Mike Wallace or, uh, I don't know, probably probably like a John Brown even. I would take him over Corey Coleman. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, it's just one of those things where it's like you don't know what to expect from the offense around him. But if he's if he's getting targets and they're not terrible quality targets – I think Zay Jones can produce right now. I mean, he produces a freshman at East Carolina, too. So uh, I, I think he can be a fast starter. Okay. Last one I want to ask about is Ted Ginn. So, yeah. Mike um, Thomas, we talked about earlier. Um, Cooks is gone. I mean, Ted Ginn, he, he's a home run hitter. He always has been. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, he only had the one really good receiving year. And people mm-hmm. are saying now, oh, he's with the Saints. He's good. I feel like, look, he's not getting drafted high. So I don't want to say, oh, everyone thinks Ted Ginn's going to be great. That's not it. Maybe right. he's getting drafted in round 12 or 13 in MFLs. But some people are looking and saying because he's on the Saints and they've seen it from him once or twice that this could be a nice fit. And he's sort of a sneaky late round pick. Do you buy that? I don't really. Um, I mean, he, he should be fine. I don't think he like at his price. I don't think he's going to be like hurting anybody. But um, it, it does seem like there are some people who are much higher on him than others. Like I remember seeing him go in like the ninth or 10th, a couple times. Uh, he's, he's a fine enough player or whatever, but him going to the saints isn't even something that I would take for a positive because like, this is the offense that has the Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham position, <laughs> which is to say the deep threat decoy. Um, and I, I mean, he might get more usage than he did than a uh, Henderson or Meacham, but I think he's very categorically limited in his usage. So um, I'm high and thus I'm, I'm very high on Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed both. Um, so I, I think Ginn's going to be yeah getting really high depth of target, um, going to be running a lot downfield. And I don't expect the usage to be either consistent or predictable. I think, I think it's going to be Sneed and Thomas pretty much carrying that passing game with, with Ginn ostensibly clearing out room for them. Derry Henderson, that was some bad flashbacks right there. Yeah, I mean, it was easy to fall for it back then too. I mean, it was like, right. oh, look how fast he is. This is this is a, such a high scoring offense. This can't go wrong. And then you know, yeah. just nothing really happened. He just caught a sixty yard touchdown. I have to pick him up off the free agent wire. Oh no, he's one for six next week. That's not good. Um, everyone, please go to fantasysportsmarkets.com. Fantasy Sports Markets has the best DFS contests available with cash awards and big bonus prizes every day. As always with FSM, there's no salary caps. You can draft who you want on your roster. Try the free-to-enter preseason football contest. Only one week, one week left of that. The prize is a copy of Madden 18. Register today. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get $15 in promotional credit towards your contest entries. It's available to all U.S. residents. Go to fantasysportsmarkets.com today. All right. Breakout, guys. Quarterback, go. Um, I'll say Jameis Winston. I, I like his chances of pushing for like 5,000 yards this year. 5,000? I mean, not it's not a high probability thing, but I, I mean, Dirk Cutter has a history of this with Matt Ryan. Yeah, um, the personnel there is just nuts. It's crazy how much talent is on that offense. And that wasn't the case in either of Winston's other two seasons. So I just think it's it's a it would be a reasonable setting for him to just get better going into his third year. And with Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, uh, O.J. Howard, Brait taking a step forward, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I just I just really like that offense. And I think Cutter is, is more of a downfield passing coach than that Winston's numbers from last year might look like. I think it's more like he's been waiting for him to get good enough to execute the vision that he wants to. And I I think they're going to be there this year. All right. Running back. Uh, 
I'll, I can't use rookies. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I, I got to Sorry. Use your pick then, uh, Ty Montgomery, okay. at, at least, at least in PPR scoring. And I, I know there's going to be volatility and probably durability issues with him, but I just think he's such a great runner. And if he's the leading ball carrier in an Aaron Rodgers offense, it's like, I, that seems like a pretty safe formula. How, how high do you have him ranked at running back? I luckily I haven't really had to figure that question out because I just know there's this point in drafts I keep getting to where I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a really nice value there. Like fourth round, even fifth round sometimes. Okay. Uh, and PPR, I guess he's probably like my number 15 or something like that, but I keep getting him as like the 20th, 22nd running back. Really? That's pretty I mean, good. I, I, I mean, I see guys like uh Crowell go ahead of him, Marshawn Lynch, Lamar Miller, and I'm, I'm definitely taking him over those guys. All right. Wide receiver. He had a good year last year, but I think there are even greater heights for Terrell prior to reach. And um, otherwise, I, I guess I'll say uh, Martavis Bryant, just if he plays, you know, 14 or more games. All right. Um, yeah, I like prior. I really like prior. I'm really high on prior. Yeah. And uh, tight end. Mine is definitely I told you I can't. I, I'm interested. I think the numbers that Austin's Ferry Jenkins might put up are going to be really we're going to go. Wow. That mm-hmm. was that they turned out all right on a horrible team. What about you? So this is kind of a this is almost like an ineligible pick because he had a 90 catch season three <laughs> years ago. But I think Martellus Bennett could be the leading touchdown scorer at tight end this year, especially if Gronkowski doesn't stay healthy. And if especially if Tyler Eifert doesn't stay healthy, like those guys are the best touchdown scorers at tight end. But I think Martellus Bennett could do something like 12 to 14 touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. They haven't, they haven't had a guy like him in that offense. And uh, I think people forget how talented Martellus Bennett is. He is a blue chip talent and uh, in an offense that scores a lot of touchdowns that otherwise doesn't really have many big red zone type receivers. uh, I think, I think Bennett could be something that the league just isn't really ready for in that offense. All right. Uh, 12, 14 touchdowns. That's, that's bold right there. Um, all right, everybody, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. Mario, what, what are you going to be working on this week? Oh, actually, a busy couple of days. Uh, today, I'm in. Uh, I'm running a draft for Jeff Erickson, who's got something going on, but it's in uh, one of the Brad Evans of Yahoo's leagues. Um, I'm not sure what that is, but I got to run that for Jeff, and uh, that's today. Then tomorrow... Uh, I'm going to be in a, a serious XM draft. Uh, I, I don't know what that one's called or anything, but Tory Holt is in it, which is weird what? to me because I remember, yeah, it's like, that's, that's a guy that I was like picking in a Madden f- franchise fantasy drafts dozens of times when I was, you know, in, in middle school and now he's in this draft and it's, it's just, just a weird thing. <laughs> uh, Clay, Clay Link's also in the draft with me. So that, that should be pretty fun tomorrow. All right. Well, good luck. Let me know how you did. Okay. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. All right, Mario, thanks a lot for doing this. Everybody, again, if you like this podcast, ratings and reviews are always appreciated. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode will be coming on Wednesday. Please check back then for more great fantasy football draft help. Uh, if you haven't drafted, if you have drafted already, we will still help you. But if you haven't drafted, we will definitely help you on Wednesday and Thursday. For Mario Puig, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.